stay in the neighborhood. Dum, dum, dum. That's all I remember of Mr. Rogers. Is that what we were doing? He's like, is it a lovely day in the neighborhood or a lovely day in this neighborhood? So I actually think it's this neighborhood. It's a lovely neighborhood this time today. That's true. Yeah. Hey, enough of that nonsense. Welcome to Carlpool. Welcome to Carlpool, the only talk show that happens in a 2010 Honda Civic between, oh crap, two brothers. Uh-oh. They got the hot fuzz over here. Yes. I Man, can't... they are seriously... That, Jeez. That's, that's a, like four people in that. That's a bunch of cops. That is a lot of cops. Drug bust. Hey, you know what happened to me last week? Nope. I'm walking... Uh, I walk down to get the mail in the morning. I'm listening. And I come back up, and as I get off the elevator, there's a hallway that leads to a stairwell that kind of merges with my my uh, apartment. Yep. Uh, like my you. hallway. I know it well. And... All of a sudden, busting up out of that hallway, seven FBI agents. What? Yes. Seven. How'd you take time to count? Well, no, I counted the bodies afterwards. Oh, okay. No. Anyway, seven <laughs> FBI agents. They, I, I literally walked, I was standing right in between them all because we just like were merging pathways. Uh-huh. Then they all draw their pistols and start beating this door down. FBI, FBI warrant. This guy, like... Goodness uh, gracious. Do you think it was a drug offense? It was, it was, uh, yeah, drugs across state lines is what I gathered. Ah, okay, because, like, yeah, I don't know all my laws there, but I guess the FBI is involved sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it had to be a federal offense, but I talked to one of the, uh, one of the, uh, people that knows, knows what's going on at the apartment, and, right. uh, they said that he's constantly, like, posting stuff to social media and whatnot. He's uh, a total dick. That's but they annoying. had, like, they had, like, the full thing, um... They they had battering rams and all that kind of stuff. Seriously, in hey, an apartment. Speaking of dicks, this is a great transition. Okay, transition away. What are we going to talk about on carl pulling this week, Hunter? We're going to talk about that little dude in that little country called Venezuela and Nicolas Maduro and how he is doing a great job, and we're really proud of him. <laughs> very proud of him. Very the, proud of him. Can we? Yeah. There you go. That would be what Bernie Sanders would say. Correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not what we say on this show. Right. Let's let's get get into it. So, yeah. Um, I know this happened. This was kind of at the peak of its media fervor last week. Yeah. But it bears talking about. Venezuela is an absolute crapshoot. Yeah, and it's, it, this is this is a story that this is a story that's been developing for years. And like, I, I mean, obviously we're not at the end of it, but like, people have been saying this is going to happen to Venezuela. Mark my words for a very long time. And it's finally kind of coming to fruition. Right. I remember when I was in college, I would get into arguments with my socialist friends because Venezuela was their poster child for a long time about how you could do socialism correctly. And I would just say, hold your breath. You know, Chavez only got elected in 1999. And here we are two decades later, almost exactly. And a little bit less. And their country is absolutely underwater. And so... Uh, and that's because of global warming. That's, we should have done something we should about have, that. That's, that's right. Yeah. And that's why Hunter and I are here to proselytize to you about the Green New Deal. Please, accept uh, the Green New Deal. It's near very and smart. To my heart. We're tired of these cows and their farts. That yeah. rhymed. Um, so, quite, so, I think, like... So, like, one thing I really want to talk about this is to, like... I think when I think there's a lot of business sides to the oil game that I don't know if people are really aware of. Um, I would like to crack that nut open because I think that answers Christopher a lot of like 
why did Venezuela work? Like, what happened? Like, specifically, why did it break down? Sure. And I, I and I don't know if we want, and I don't know, like, in what order maybe you're thinking about from your side, we want to do some of that, because, you know, there's obviously a lot to talk about here. Here, Here's my, my thesis, if you will. Yep. Oh, a little bit of rain for the Carl Cooling listeners. Oh, I wonder if this is bad. It's, uh, it's loud in my headphones. I hope it's not too distracting. Okay, we'll but figure that out. Anyhow. We'll edit this out in post. You guys need to calm down. Yeah, everybody calm down. For just one second. Um, so, anyhow, uh, one of the things that I want to talk about is basically how this Venezuela project is, it, I, I guess I'll put it this way, what the left and the media are saying about Venezuela right now are twofold. One is that it's not real socialism, the no true Scotsman fallacy. And the other portion of it is that uh, it wasn't Chavez's fault when he instantiated socialism. It was Nicolas Maduro's fault uh, by not reacting to the changes in oil prices. So I'm interested in combating both of those things. And the reason I'm interested in it is because this only took two decades. Venezuela went from being one of the richest countries in South or Latin America with the largest oil reserves on on the planet, even greater than those in Saudi Arabia, and had a bustling economy, and it took two decades for them to go to absolute hell. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how uh, America can be a similar story, how we should view this as a as a, um, a warning sign, effectively. Okay. Um, so, and, yeah. and I want to talk about what you were talking about, too. Why don't we start by just giving the overview of what happened in Venezuela? Agreed. And I think, basically, your point one is, like, why is what happened socialism? And point two is, like, well, the it, it was economics that caused this to fail, and they didn't react quickly enough. I think what I have to say really falls a lot into point two. But, yeah, I agree with you. Let's start with the overall, like, what happened. Right? Sure. Yeah. So let's do that. So go back to 1995. Yep. Venezuela has... Uh, one of the best economies in South America, if not the best economy in South America. They have one of the, they have the premier democracy in South America as far as uh, the freedom of their elections and their freedom from corruption. They had a lot of things going for them. And uh, about that time, the far left party in Venezuela started preaching this same style message that you're hearing in the states now which is that there's a disparity in wealth even though the wealth was growing all around but there's a disparity in right. wealth and the vi- the victims are the people and the perpetrators are the capitalists yes it's these it's these country uh, companies with their interests especially in the oil field and so in 1999 during an election chavez was elected uh so he rose to power in Venezuela. What do they call their leaders? Is it the president of Venezuela, Chavez? I, I think so. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, they have... We can go with President Chavez. People will understand the gist of what we're trying to get communicate there. Right. Um, and Chavez, when he ran, he was extremely charismatic. He uh, was actually... And I don't know if people know this. Uh, what's the guy's name from Cuba? Um uh, Castro. Fidel Castro? Yeah. yeah, he was a, actually a pupil of Castro's. Oh, okay. Uh, was a student of his governance style, and Castro actually was a fan of, of Chavez in uh, Venezuela. So, anyhow, he 
had, he had this charismatic way. He would, was telling the people that he promised that he would redistribute the wealth, that he would fund these social welfare programs, and um, and he would take away the power of the greedy corporations. So yeah, Christmas seems to always go hand in hand with these fancy dictators. I mean, like you think uh, Julius Caesar, you think uh, in some ways like FDR. You know, like. People that really change political landscapes, charisma is a is a huge part of their uh, in their arsenal. I mean, even Hitler, you know, you could, right. he convinced an entire nation that they were oppressed and they needed to follow the German way, sort of thing. You know, it's that takes charisma. It's it's an essential ingredient to the rise of a dictator. It for sure is, and and it's one of those things that makes you think critically about, you know, Ben Shapiro often says the only person that he believes deserves the office of the president is someone who doesn't want it. Yeah. You know? Um, cults, all cults are started effectively by a charismatic leader. There's, when someone has an overwhelming charisma, you should, you should be wary of what they're selling you. Yes. Because uh, as we've proven time and time again, humans were easy to fool. Just do your homework. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. So, Anyway, he promised all of this social change, he promised all of this economic reform, and he got elected to power. One of his first moves was to effectively privatize the oil industry. So he would talk with these big oil companies that were doing discovery and drilling in Venezuela, and he would just rip up their contracts with the, with the federal government yes. there. Uh, and just say we're renegotiating for lower prices and the prices were ridiculous and he would say if you don't like it leave and what did the co uh, companies do? They left. They left. Easy peasy. Right. So I don't know if you wanted to add any color there. Um, not not in particularly I, yeah I, I like I, this is Basically, you know, he's he's seizing. This is this is something that in Alaska they did that's kind of similar here. It's like you know, if a group of people exist in a nation state uh, where they have a large natural resource, are they owed something by that resource simply because they live there? Like you own your property, right? Well, if sure. you own the nation, air quotes around that, you know, because no one can really own a nation; it belongs to everyone. Um, you know, does that do you own some of that profit that comes off from that resource? And that's a tricky question to answer, I think, because, it, because like, obviously in Venezuela, the answer was, okay, well, the state's going to own it and then redistribute the wealth. Right. Okay. And in Alaska, you have a similar thing that's happening, except the state doesn't own it. It just provides a dividend to the, uh, to the Alaskan populace based on the taxes that come from oil. Um, Here's the thing that frustrates me. Right. Oil in the ground is worthless. Correct. It crude, has to be processed. Crude oil in the ground has no value. Right. Uh, why Why do you have a right to it because you're sitting on top of it when uh, another entity is coming in, generally not impeding on your actual land, just the reserves underneath of it, Yes. and is harvesting and refining that oil? You didn't do the work, and they don't owe you any of their labor. Yeah. What you had before was worthless. They turned it into something that was worthwhile. And I don't see why you own any of that. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's just the fact that, like, if I discovered oil on my property tomorrow because I was digging a well for whatever dumb reason and oil just started came gushing out, well, I would sell the rights to that. 
Right. And, and then like, and so like, there's that part of it, and then there's the part that you just said is like, someone's got to take that oil and actually turn it into something. And I think, I think like at the, at the nation state level, we haven't really figured out how to handle natural resources that are limited. Sure. Uh, and so I think, and well, I so, think that's why these oil and discovery companies, part of them is discovery. Yes. You know, if you exactly. find it finders keepers yeah and so yeah i think i think that's i think that's definitely a debate and there's there seems to me there needs to be some line that isn't clearly drawn yet but definitely the government owning it and redistributing the wealth doesn't provide the optimal uh the optimal wealth for for one or productivity for a civilization it doesn't provide incentives i mean kicking these oil companies out was a huge mistake we'll keep talking about why but yeah no yeah absolutely i agree with you i'm just trying to express the the concern around natural resources and people that live in the countries where those natural resources are found that that makes sense because like before because like it's like saudi arabia is a nothing then it finds a ton of oil and it becomes an everything you know what i mean and it's like well how is that fair you know is the thing that goes in the back of your mind of course regardless if you believe that that's fair or not you know um so it's like yeah it's a complicated question but i don't think we've answered it appropriately in venezuela is my point yeah, definitely not in Venezuela. Yeah. Dubiously in Alaska. Dubious in Alaska. That's fair enough. Let's um, keep going. So anyhow, kicked the oil companies out and said the state will own the oil refinery, drilling, right. discovery business. The state actually became a monopoly. Right. Uh, and it became... It, it's important to remember, like in, uh, in a bunch of places in the U.S., energy companies have monopolies. Yes. These are... Uh, non-exclusive uh, I'm sorry, non-exclusionary goods. E.g. you couldn't have realistically four power lines running to your home. Right? Right. It would would be a mess. It would clutter things up. So the person that puts the infrastructure down for one, incurs a huge investment. Huge risk. Right. And two, it's, it's reasonable that they have, they enjoy some type of exclusive rights because they made the investment and it's not it's not apparent that social good will be enhanced by allowing a billion power lines to go up everywhere just just as a good note for people when a cable company lie you know connects your house to the cable line or the internet they're expecting they need to have someone in that property for six years to get their investment back right so it is not a it's not a simple uh, problem essentially to solve how how these companies can do this and get a profit so that that is why a lot of these companies either exist as pseudo monopolies uh, which is like your AT&T and uh, Comcast and things like that or they exist like the power company is where it's like there's literally only one power company that will provide power to your house depending on where you live right and and to be clear, that is not what we're talking about with oil refining yeah. in Venezuela. Yeah. There was several different uh, companies that were had stakes in that. Yes. Um, British Petroleum was there, Shell was there, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's a different type of good because they're, they're, people can compete and they can get that oil out and if they can get it out for cheaper and sell it to you cheaper than someone else, that matters. Right. It matters in that industry. Right. It, it is a competitive market compared to some of the other natural resources yep. or, or utilities. Yep. So anyway... Chavez kicks them out. And then uh, another thing Chavez said that was kind of interesting is that if people weren't happy with the government, he would leave after two years. Uh, Chavez died in 2013 in office. Yes. So anyhow, he he basically benefited from the fact that 
at that time, during his rise to power, oil prices were rising globally. And if you're sitting on the largest oil reserves in the entire known world, yep. and oil prices are rising, things are good for you. Exactly. Here's the problem. He didn't reinvest that money into the oil business like an oil company would do. Right. Instead, they Venezuela used that money under Chavez's leadership. They used that money to fund their social welfare programs. So, so it, one of the good ways to think about that is... Let, there's a lot of companies in, a, in countries selling oil, right? And there's a certain point that when you're selling oil, it's profitable for you as a company right. or as a country in this case. So let's just call Chavez number 65, right? So it, when oil is being sold on the market for $65, that's a great day for Venezuela. They're making the money they need. They're good. They're, they're happy and they're getting some money back. And if the oil is selling for $70, even better, you know, because now they're actually getting a bigger, they're getting more than what they need, right? Right. So if this is a very simple equation, if supply increases on the, in the global market, well, then oil prices go down. Right. And so that's exactly what you saw happen is that supply was limited, oil prices were low, and then essentially supply became a lot larger. And one of the reasons is because of fracking too right. in, in America. Um, but a, one of those also is OPEC failing to manipulate oil pricing as they wanted as other countries that became more aggressive with the barrels they produced per year. Right. Um, and I can get more into that later. I'm not sure if this is the right opportunity, but yeah, I mean, OPEC is a huge, a huge problem for Venezuela. Well, that happens a little bit later in the story. I do yeah. want to hit on a couple points first. Sure. It is, it is worthy to note that when the oil prices, even though the oil prices were going up and the state owned the oil price, they were using it to fund these social welfare programs, a lot of good things did happen in Venezuela, mm -hmm. to be fair. Poverty decreased, yep. crime decreased, a lot of these indicators, the infant mortality rate started to decrease. And so, but that wasn't because of socialism. It was it was because of the oil money. Exactly. It was because they were they were selling the oil and using it to pay for social welfare programs. Yes. So the question isn't, can you do good with money? The answer to that is obviously, obviously yes. yes. The question is, can this be sustainable? And Correct. we'll answer that question soon. But yeah. here's another thing that happened: when these businesses left, two million residents left Venezuela. Which is not insignificant. No, it isn't. And anybody who had money That's in a lot Venezuela, of tax revenue. right? Anybody who had money in Venezuela took it out as fast as they could. Right. So you had this mass exodus of both capital and population. And that's because they could obviously see the writing on the wall that when the barrel of oil wasn't profitable in Venezuela, it was going to tank. Exactly. It was obvious to an economics major that this is what was going to happen. And anyone that studies like OPEC and how it and how they handle pricing, like this is an obvious thing that has happened before in several countries. In fact, some countries won't produce oil until prices get to a certain point. Like they just will leave it and not touch it. So, right. Anyway. And, and going back to, I think it's a. Uh, 2000X, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Bernie Sanders is talking to uh, folks, some some somebody in um, Miami. I can't remember exactly what the point of the interview was. But this is when all those gaffes that are coming back to bite him now are, he's, are said, like, American journalists think it's bad when people are lining up to get food. That's good because there's food to line up and get. Right. They're like some crazy stuff. There's actually an article that's still on Bernie Sanders' website that says um, that the Venezuelans are living the American dream more effectively than Americans. How is this? This is how still is on his website. So wow. The, what, what I want to, 
the reason I mention that now is because every democratic socialist in America looked at looked at Venezuela. They said, "Hey, they're socialists now. They have a socialist leader. He was elected democratically. Poverty is going going down. Literacy is going up. Uh, infant mortality infant mortality is going down, etc." And it worked. It they were like, "Oh, it, it worked. It worked. It worked. This is socialism. This is socialism. This is socialism." Now you see the the goalposts move when all of a sudden this happens. So in 19... Go ahead. I was just going to say, what really happened is not that socialism worked, is that national corporatism, international corporatism worked. Right. That's actually what happened. Uh, and, well, on the front end, that portion of it worked. Well, right? here, here's it's, a really... It's the same reason why China can build an amazing set right. for the London... Or for the, for the Beijing Olympics in 30 minutes, you know? Because right. they have a giant corporate machine that is backed by the power of the federal government. Yes. But that doesn't mean that the social redistribution was sustainable. Yes, that's that's a completely separate point. But it's obvious, if you're making a lot of money and you're giving that money a lot away, people's lives are going to get better. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the socialism aspect is going to keep this coming. And as we all, and, and the other thing too is like we know national corporatism is really like phony capitalism. Right. Like yeah. It's a manipulation of a market, right? And that's essentially what happens in the oil and in, oil industry anyway. But it's anyway. it's the logical conclusion of mercantilism, yes. which is far from capitalism. Yes, exactly. When you have to go to the queen to charter a boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can keep, if you can price people out of the market effectively by making it difficult to get into the market because you're manipulating it to be that way, that's not capitalism. And, and that's, uh, you know what, just while we're on the topic, that is exactly where our healthcare system is right now. Exactly. So anybody that says we've tried it the capitalist way, yeah, no. Liar. So, all right, moving on from that, in 2013, uh, Chavez died in office. And his hand-picked successor. Did you did you hear? Did you see the the video where the king of Spain calls him a dick? Calls Chavez a dick. Calls Chavez a dick to his face. No, but it's, I wish I did. It's really good. I'm sorry, I just thought of that, but it's it's a really amazing thing. He's like sitting next to him, goes, "You're a dick," and gets up and walks out of a meeting they're having. It's so good. So anyway, I'm sorry. And the Spanish do a lot of things wrong, but tacos and insults. Tacos um, and insults are really good. <laughs> Tapas. Tapas. Tapas, tacos, and insults. So, yeah. So his hand-picked successor is... Nicolas Maduro. Enter Maduro. So... He's a bus driver. Maduro... <laughs> well, that's even funnier now. Yeah. Uh, uh, not funny for the people that are being crushed underneath the uh, no. wheels of vans and tanks. No, it That isn't. are operated by the military. But yeah. at any rate, he enters the scene. And he's, he's Chavez's hand-picked successor. And he is all of Chavez's ideas. And I want to make this clear because there's these... Venomous snakes at Vox that sure. are putting out videos right now that say that the reason that that Venezuela is in the crap hole right now is because Maduro didn't have the charisma or the same ideas as Chavez. Right. They're saying that it wasn't the social programs that made the economy insolvent, which they already were before he ever came on the scene. Correct. Venezuelans were already losing weight year over year when he came on the when Maduro came on the scene. They're saying that when the oil prices dropped, he failed to react, and that's what caused the economic downturn. And that is absolute nonsense. He was exactly like like Chavez in every way except for the charisma. All of the same principles, all of the same ideas, the same uh, adoration for Fidel Castro. There's two easy things here to see from like articles like that from these people is. One, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier last week when we went through the Mueller report, which is the shifting goalpost. Yes. And two, it's a, it's economic illiteracy. 
because not to pay attention not to pay attention to this story and pay and know something about how oil pricing happens on a global in the global market is foolish. Right. Like it's 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 absolutely central to this plot. So anyway, so Venezuela is a country that's not exactly like America uh, or China, Correct. for instance, where we do produce a bunch of our own goods. Yep. They don't produce a bunch of their own uh, their own goods. They invest or, or they they I'm sorry import many of their goods and many of the things that they need to keep their populace fed, safe, etc. Their economy is almost entirely oil. Right. It's also worth noting that uh, gun rights are not a thing in Venezuela. Ah. The individuals cannot own guns, which is uh, relevant. That couldn't be a problem. No, it certainly couldn't be a problem. That's not a problem at all. And, and by the way, any kind of uh, usurpatious, tyrannical, large government solution always requires the, Take the, guns. the liberation of or the failing to administer a method by which to acquire guns. Yeah. Uh, uh, just so you know, a Germany did that. Yeah, Germany. <laughs> a, a Hitler. <clears throat> the National Socialist Party. Yeah. Um, just, just, just in case you didn't know. What's in a name? What's uh, in a name? So, anyhow, uh, that just keep that bumper sticker there. Also under Chavez, and increasingly under Maduro, criticism of the government was taken extremely seriously, including jail time, uh, potentially... It's it's dubious. And I don't want to slander anyone. No, actually, I will slander Maduro. It does <laughs> look like he had he had um, journalists killed, etc. Any type of anti-government speech became censored, potentially ultimately censored. Mm. So uh, these things started happening at the same time. Right around 2014, the oil prices started to drop precipitously. Yes. And here was the problem. Because we were not taking a taking a product to market in a, in a solvent way, e.g. setting up an oil company that planned on producing and planned on continuing to make profit off of the oil, right. and we were siphoning out all that profit and sending it to these social welfare systems that were doing good things, but couldn't do good things for long, the inflation in Venezuela exploded. Yes. Because the, the Chavez set up this system where a boulevard was basically, 10 boulevard was worth $1 and they pegged their currency to it. And then when you look at what you could actually import or export from Venezuela for 10 boulevard, it was nowhere near worth a dollar when their economy started to collapse. And so people stopped trading with them and the actual inflation, even though they have a nominally pegged rate, the actual inflation rate went through the roof and right. their currency became effectively worthless overnight no one wants to trade with them no one's accepting the boulevard now they can't import goods and and that's when the cracks really started to show yep. where you had people going hungry you had bread lines starting to form you had people eating dogs on the street right yeah and so things got worse and worse and worse in venezuela and i want you to i want to make this super clear what the venezuelan government did was they did bring some people out of poverty in the short term absolutely but they also did something that's absolutely deadly, and that's they fostered government dependence. And, and this is one of the great things about capitalism, Chris, is the fact that if a business fails, it's not the end of the world for everybody that lives in that country. Right. And yes. if the business, if if like if McDonald's goes out of business tomorrow because you know the Big Mac is only worth one boulevard, you know whatever right. <laughs> whatever whatever weird thing happens, right? Everybody in McDonald's loses their job. That's a huge problem. That sucks. It's terrible. But everyone at Burger King still has a job. Right. And everybody who was wanting to get burgers from McDonald's still needs to get burgers. 
and the, so the supply, the demand doesn't go away, and exactly. the supply doesn't go away completely. So there's there's a vacuum in the market for one or two things to happen. Someone can either create a new burger chain to sell burgers, which is going to employ a lot of people, or the existing chains can go in and fill that gap. Right. And so if Venezuela could no longer make a profit on oil, then that would have sucked, but it would have been that company's problem. Not the country's problem, and there there would have been British Petroleum there. Exactly, um, it would have been foreign investment problem. Exxon Mobil, right? Yeah. Now those companies can forecast and do stuff that's smart and like keep that plant running in Venezuela and take a hit somewhere else. But Venezuela doesn't have the ability to do that. They have only the ability to take it. They can only take a hit on the things that are within the social or whatever the government is running. The government was running oil, right? And oil was not a good game anymore. Right. So so, so you're exactly right. Yeah. They fostered government dependence, and when the government's cash cow came back leaner than they expected, yes. everybody was screwed. Yes. And th- and th- this is the point I want to make clear. Socialism always tends toward tyranny. Every yeah. single time it's been tried, we see it tending toward tyranny. That's when N- Nicolas Maduro, a few years ago, um, called for the special election of a new, a new government that had the enumerated power to rewrite the country's constitution very far away from its original democratic roots that used wow. to be praised and he didn't allow people to vote on whether or not that that new government should be formed he only got allowed them to vote on who should be in it wow uh, so the point is that this is the way that socialism goes it started out democratic and they had one of the most robust democratic systems really in the in my opinion in the eastern hemisphere but behind maybe America and Canada but they had a robust democratic system and they chose socialism and because socialism is a system that makes it possible for tyrannical douchebags to powder keg all of the means of production into one location and therefore all of the money and all of the power and all of the guns and all of the control, it creates the system that incentivizes usurpation. Yeah. And this is the way that it leads. The great thing about capitalism, one of the other great things, like you were saying, is that it it is fractious. It diffuses the power throughout the society. The idea that Karl Marx espoused was that the, giving the means of production to the proletariat would diffuse the power throughout the society. This was doublespeak and duplicitous because that's never the way that it appears to happen. What happens instead is that the way by which you must instantiate the diffusion of power to every member of a society and a socialist redistributionary system is through a strong centralized government. And a strong centralized government, it is, it is, uh, it's Guy Fox Day. It's putting all of the oil or all the gunpowder yes. in the city in one location. Yeah. And when it, when it goes bang, um, the people that are that are ready to swoop in and fill the void are never the people that you want to be there. Yeah. Because you've you've created a system that incentivizes that kind of usurpatious yes. behavior. Yes. And so that's exactly what Nicolas Maduro did. He rewrote the constitution with the help of the government that was quote unquote democratic democratically elected. And he started repressing the rights of the people. And the people started to starve. This is what I want to make clear. Yeah. Socialism drives toward tyranny and eventually like we saw last week they will start shooting their own people they will start driving tanks over their own people yes but before it murders it starves yeah and 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 starvation is is the precursor to rioting and then hurting your own people uh, by force right exactly and this is this is 
it's necessary because you cannot pin the evils that have been that have been besieging Venezuela simply on a tyrannical government. This is not a tyranny problem. Yeah. It's a socialism problem. Yeah, and I the, think... The, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. The average adult last year in Venezuela lost 24 pounds. 24 pounds right. in Venezuela. And this is before the riots and before the government started turning gun on their own citizens en masse. Yes. And what does that mean? It means that the socialist policies that fostered government dependence and failed when the cash cow didn't come home was killing people. 24 pounds per person on average, that doesn't mean everybody looks skinnier. Right. That means a bunch of people are dead. Right. And, and when we're talking like that, that, I mean, like, somebody that was, like, 100 pounds overweight, you know, like, they probably lost, like, probably 120 pounds, and that got the average down to 24, because the guy who was, like, already 30 pounds underweight... Is dead. Is dead. Like, you know, that guy lost a pound or two pounds and was like, I... Gone, you know, and whatever it is, you get what I'm trying to say by that. Logic. There was, there was people. There's been videos for the past two years, pretty much since 2017, showing people eating dogs in Venezuela, right? Showing them scrounging through trash, eating fly-infested food because it's the only way that they can eat. But here's, and, and it's important to remember. Western journalists think that it's bad when people line up for bread. <laughs> that's a good thing. Screw you, man. Right. That's that's horrible. And I think the other thing about this that is just like, once again. There's all these photos of the rich and powerful in Venezuela, like, almost bragging about how they're not starving. Right. And so... And it's, like, it's horrible. Like, because, like, here's the other, here's the other side of that is, you know, when you are at the top, you are not going to let your family starve no matter what. Right. And if you are at the top, the opportunity to abuse power when it's that... When all of it is concentrated in a single place is massive. And what we're seeing and, and the incentives are massive too and if the and if the country is doing well they don't care if you abuse the power right you know and that's the thing is now that there's an issue there's this horrible just disgusting display of greed and villainy by the elite and that was there before Everything collapsed. Right now, and you got to remember that. Like that's that that was that was a precursor to this. Now we've just turned up the contrast high enough to see it. Exactly. Uh, high enough to care about it. M Maduro, the way he elected that government was he actually right before he w it looked like he was going to be ousted democratically. Yeah. This is what always happens. Um, he used some kind of executive power in Venezuela. I'm not an expert on their government, but I know I, I would think more than the average bear. It's his old. The, the, yeah, he used, he used his, he used his he, 4 he R. Yeah, yeah. He used his old um, to basically oust a bunch of uh, Supreme Court, the, what would be the equivalent of a Supreme Court justice, and replace them with his cronies. Now, the way that he's staying rich right now is the pegged... Uh, the pegged ratio, the 10 boulevards to, or yeah, 10 boulevards to a dollar ratio that they're maintaining there, he's allowing uh, he, him and those he approves to actually exchange currency at that rate with the central bank. So that's the way, that's the <laughs> mechanism, but that that's not how the rest of the country operates. Right, I'm with you. That's the mechanism by. Um, so he can basically take his 10 bolivars and turn it into a dollar. Right, which okay. is which, and now the bolivars are worth nothing. So what right. people are doing is they're actually, anyone that's privy to that system is actually exchanging their bolivars, getting a dollar, and then buying food, and then selling on the black market for a massive, massive profit. Got it. Um, and I'll just give you some of the numbers. Yeah, I already said there's 24 pounds per adult. Um, there was the further restrictions in freedom of speech and gun rights. 
uh, now, even though they had one of the most wealthy uh, South American countries before, now 82% of Venezuelans live in poverty, and by several metrics, they have the most corrupt government in in uh, the in the uh, Latin America, uh, really in the Eastern Hemisphere. Or Western Hemisphere, sorry, got confused with my notes here. And here's the thing to remember. They used to be the richest country. Right. They used to be the richest country, now 82% live in po poverty. They have the highest inflation rate in the world right now at 946%, and the GDP fell by 35%. This is what happens wow. when when socialism reaches its end state, and it's so sneaky. It is so sneaky. It's because very sneaky. At first, it looked like everything was going well. You know, you had the yep. Hollywood starlets going down there and congratulating Chavez. You had Fidel Castro congratulating Chavez. That should have been a warning sign. Should have been a warning. And, and everything seemed to be going well. But when the bottom falls out, when the policies finally prove themselves insolvent, nobody eats. And it, uh, one more anecdote, more anecdotal piece of evidence, but legally viable. In Venezuela, there were so many children dying of malnutrition in hospitals that they, the Venezuelan government, Maduro's government, knew they had to do something about it. Uh, you would think that meant that they would feed them. No, they actually outlawed listing malnu malnutrition as a cause of death for children in hospitals. It's horrible. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. It's deplorable conditions down there. And uh, that brings you into last week. So uh, they had a, a basically a coup d'etat style referendum where a new president was elected without Maduro sanctioning the election. Yep. And that is... Uh, Undemocratic and shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> right, right. Thanks, Lennon. Yeah. Uh, that's Juan Guaido. And so Juan Guaido is recognized as the actual democratically, leader, democratically elected leader of Venezuela now. Yeah. Uh, he's recognized by the United States. Trump recognized him. Thank you, uh, Trump. And, and the, one of the problems one, is... One good thing... You know, there's not a long list there, Trump, but thank you. Yeah, and one of the problems is that Russia and Cuba are still in Venezuela, yep. uh, assisting the Maduro regime. Yep. But um, Trump's actually been very strong on Russia in that, in in this that instant. He basically told, uh, he oh. told in an interview, he was asked, what about the Russian influence there? He says, they have to leave. They have to get out. Um, so good on, good on Trump for recognizing Guaido, and that's basically where we're at. So... The riots intensified as Maduro refused to leave power, even though Guaido did uh, become elected during the referendum. Also important to note, Guaido's not a conservative. Guaido's pretty left. Yeah, he's a pretty left dude. Uh, but he's not hes not a socialist. So, anyhow, so all the people that are gaslighting the uh, conservative media right now saying that America's supporting a new right-wing authoritarian government in Venezuela. Just go it's get ridiculous. banned. It's ridiculous. It's, it's so anti-factual. It, it, like, it's it's about as it's about as bad as well. Maybe it's not, but it's about as bad as saying Louis Farrakhan is an alt-right member. Like, yeah, which like, happened last week. Right? Are we like oh. are we are we serious? Like, is everybody we don't like an alt-right person? Or because, are you just illiterate? Yeah. I, you know what? Matthew Iglesias is all right. I said it. It's <laughs> I, true. I don't know who that is. He's a Vox person. Oh, is he the fairy? I, I don't... That is a rude thing you said. Uh, There's one no. that's just very sprightly. I don't know. Um, uh, he wears a little earring. I don't know. He's just dubious ethnic origin. I, I, Christopher, I don't <laughs> know. I, I'm not sure. I just know him as a writer. Not I don't as, like that guy. Not as a... Uh, 
internet personality, I'll oh, okay. say. You, you gotta watch more Vox. Nothing raises the blood pressure like a little Vox. Okay. Uh, so, at any rate, that's what's happening. And so, as the riots intensified, um, Maduro and the portions of the armed forces that are still loyal to him basically have started gunning down people in the streets. And, of course, it's a humanitarian crisis. It's a uh, human rights offense of the highest order. Mm -hmm. It should be roundly condemned. And yet, quite silent on the Democratic side. Well, Ilhan Omar last week literally said that that it was America's fault. Right, for imposing sanctions against the Maduro regime. It's ridiculous. It's our fault that they were starving to death. Right. It's our fault that they were turning gun on their own citizens. Not, not the fact that their money wasn't worth anything. Right. Not the fact that the, not the fact that they, they trusted in a, in a bad system that is proven, not to, not to do, not to deliver the goods. Right. Like no, it, it was because America. And it's here's like, what, how? Here's what how we do have you get to implore. There? We have to implore you. Understand, Chavez might have been well intentioned. I don't think so. Also, bit of a homophobe. But, or I'm sorry, that's really Che. Um, but I <laughs> see them as all the same. At any rate, um, he might have been well-intentioned, right? And he did pull some people out of poverty. But here's the central contention of socialism. We can spend the money correctly as a nation-state in such a wise, authoritarian, authoritarian top-down control style way that we will bring everybody else up. Yeah. And even if your intentions are good, you do two things wrong. One, you set for yourself an impossible problem because you try and ingest the intelligence of the market in your own mind with your own set of advisors yep. shambling about. You cannot ingest all that information. The market is a tool unlike any other in its ability to ascertain what the supply is, what the demand is, is where the price should be. And then the second point is you centralize all of the power. And so when you set up those two things, you, one, will you will inevitably fail in a long enough time frame because there's no group, there's no cabal there's of no humans smart who's to, smart to enough figure to figure out a problem that every human is th- figuring out today. Yes, that every, no, that every human is both determining and... Um, and affecting with all of their actions throughout the day. Yes. You can't solve uh, that problem. It's in it's extricably complicated. Yes. You cannot unwind those threads. And the second point is someone will come after you that isn't as well-intentioned as you are. Yeah. You will not usher in the utopia. Yes. And so they tried their damnedest in theory in Venezuela and they failed miserably because of that. So when you have when you have Ilhan Omar saying it's our fault um, and ignoring the fact that they've been starving for years, they've been starving well before America started imposing sanctions. Mm. It's the most duplicitous, dubious, historically illiterate, economically foolish thing that you could possibly say. Yeah. And the problem is, the reason that they're defending it in that way is because they are trying to bring those policies here. Yes. Period. And they're trying to cover for themselves for saying for years that that, that it was a good place. Right. It's like cut and dry in the Green New Deal. The same thing that happened in Venezuela that started out all this nonsense, the same exact policy, e.g. is in the there. public ownership of the energy sector yep. is in the Green New Deal, which yep. has been endorsed by every single one of the Democratic presidential candidates. Even though they wouldn't vote for it. Right. What, yeah, even though they're too chicken to vote for it. Right. They've, they have all embraced it. It is cut and dried socialism. And here's the, the, the thing. Every time they talk environment, it shifts to redistribution. 
Yes. Every time that they talk it's race relations, it shifts to redistribution. See this for what it is. It is a system that fosters government dependence. And people want you to be dependent on them so they own you. Yeah. And they might not know it. They might just try to be they attempting want to, they, to win a popularity contest or seem charismatic or virtue signal and earn cookies. But the, at the end of the day, the people that know better that are doing this stuff want to own you. They want this. What they want is they want to... Take care of the society in such a way that it handles all the injustices within it at the expense of you liking them, essentially. Like, there's this piece of, it's like, I'm not a bad person. I'm not going to do these bad things. If I was sitting here and if I was making all the decisions, everything would be okay. I will sell that to someone else so they elect me to power. Right. And it's like... You really need to look at your intentions there. That's why the Democrats want both of these things. I mean, it's, it's so simple. They want open borders. They want illegal access to vote. This I'm not. This is a commonly held tenant among and, certain cities already, sanctuary and, cities. And, and felons and incarcerated felons, if you're right. Bernie Sanders. And then they want to instantiate welfare policies. Yeah. Come here for free. Take advantage of our, our health care and our um, welfare systems. And then vote for me forever. Yeah. Fostering government dependence is sick. And it's exactly what Nicolas Maduro did. It's exactly what Chavez did. And when push came to shove and and they had to start imposing uh, the word that means things are hard, austerity measures on their population, they did not impose them on themselves one iota. Right. And don't think that the people in our government will either. Yeah. They will not. Oh, if they, they can, don't. If they can buy your vote... Didn't they write themselves out of the Patriot Act? The, yes, and also um, there you go. out of out of uh, they also paid themselves during the government shutdown. They don't care. Austerity for you means means uh, good times for them yep. effectively, and that's why the government has to be small, and a socialist government cannot be small. Exactly, we have to rebel against it. Otherwise, I hope you like the taste of dog. I've never had it. Well, go to Venezuela, man. Guys, that's Carl pulling. Thank you so much for coming in here and having a good time with us today. We did we did a pretty good... I, I, this is something that's been near and dear to my heart for a couple of years now. And something that I was expecting to ha- to go the way it did. Wasn't happy that it did. Was really hoping that someone would pull the cord there sooner or later. And unfortunately, we've been right. And that sucks a lot because it means that people are dying. It means that people are in a huge amount of distress. And worse off, there was a clear path out of this, and it wasn't taken. Right. Um, and there's so much more to go into about gun rights there and those Sure. There's, those other there's things, a huge... There's a, go study OPEC. Go learn what that does. Go learn how they manipulate oil prices. Like, there, there's a lot here that is, like, really interesting and stuff, but... And don't let the other side... Don't let the other side try and convince you that this is not a true Scotsman. Don't Correct. let them tell you that this wasn't true socialism. Yeah. They all bought it and paid Hooked for it. and sinker. Yes. And don't let them pivot. This is our 21st century example of what socialism does yep. and how much blood it would cost. Don't let them pivot. Exactly. Um, you can please rate and review the show on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook. We got a page. There's, we're also on Spotify and Google Play. We're also on Spotify and Google Play. Uh, you can get links to all those at the website, carlpooling.com. You can email the show at carlpooling 
at gmail.com. It's not Carl Pulling Cast. No, it's Carl Pulling at gmail.com. Carl Facebook at is gmail.com. at Carl Pulling Cast. That's right. Podcast. Um, podcast. We don't have a YouTube, so don't look for us there. Uh, you can r- write in. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Emotional Carl. And you can follow Chris as well at Chris X Carl. Uh, we're on Instagram there too. And you can follow the show in both of those uh, social medias at Carl Pulling. That's right. Cool. Uh, we did it. We did another show about things that we talked about. 23! 23! Deal with that! Get out of the back seat, guys. We're home. Come on.